gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, this is the Caged Animal Show. No, 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 this is the Paracast, but sometimes you could feel like you're a caged animal if you're stuck in your home or other place of residence day after day. So, Randall, how is it treating you? How is this isolation? Are you engaged in self-isolation? I'm one of those uh, people who tend to be fairly um, isolated anyway. I I live alone. I don't socialize a lot. uh, And... I'm, for all intent and purpose, retired, so I'm one of the lucky ones, actually. It, it hasn't been a huge change for me. I used to go out and enjoy you know, hanging out at the coffee shops and made, meeting up with some friends here and there, but I didn't have a huge social life like back you know, in my 30s and, and when I was playing in a rock band, which was a whole entirely different life altogether. Up here in Calgary, we were supposed to be opening up coffee shops and restaurants uh, this week, but they pushed it back till the end of the month. So the shops up here had ordered food and preparations to be able to open, and now they're concerned that some of the stuff that they'd ordered that is perishable uh, will go bad because they, they pushed it back again. How about down there? Nick Redfern, of course, you work at home as a writer, but how has this entire situation been treating you? Well, I guess like most people, you know, that the impact is always negative. I work at home as well, you know, so I do nine to five, Monday to Friday. But I like my evenings and I like my uh, weekends off and out, you know. <laughs> and uh, But I'm not stupid and I don't want to go out and just risk dying for the sake of a couple of beers and a girlfriend, you know, that kind of stuff. So from my perspective, you know, I've been doing... What I think is the responsible thing to do. I'm getting my food in about every three weeks. And between those three weeks, I don't go outside other than to get the mail in. And um, and I drive the car around the, the block a couple of times to make sure the battery's working properly. But, but yeah, I'm just sort of stocked up with movies and books and music. And, um, and literally... As I said, about every three weeks, I'll just go up to my local Albertson store, get enough food and drink and water and everything else for three to four weeks, and then I don't come out again for another three to four weeks. Not much fun, but but on the other hand, you know, in terms of work, I mean, you know, I guess the, the downside for me is specifically things like TV shows, conferences, and lectures, you know, so um, that's where it kind of hits me. It actually, funnily enough, it actually hasn't hit me in the book industry at all. Book publishers are still buying books, book ideas, manuscripts from me, just as simple as they were, you know, the last 20 years. Um, I've not seen a downside on the number they're buying. Some of them, admittedly, are cutting back on the advances they pay because you know, it's spiraled across to them as well. So there is that side, but in terms of, you know, staying above the water, so to speak, you know, I'm like most people, you just got to be careful and sort of project ahead, really. Well, the one thing, of course, that we see here is also I work at home and I get out just long enough. When I am among people, I wear the face mask and I see people who don't who think that they are invulnerable, They're superheroes. What disappoints me about TV shows 
is that some of my favorite TV shows had smaller seasons because they stopped working because of the pandemic. They stopped putting out new shows. And now the fall season may extend to January before new shows begin. So there are fewer shows. I kind of think also that maybe more people will have time to read their books now because you're waiting at home till something happens. Speaking of which, anytime we have Nick on, almost any time, he has a book out. And this is one of the most interesting in recent years, not because Nick is saying something here that kind of matches up with a theory I voiced that nobody cares about, but now Nick writes about it and has suggested it. We know that's a lot different, I guess. Now, to preface this, you had written about the Roswell case, Nick Redfern, as involving an experiment, not the visitation by E.T. Maybe, why don't you summarize that before we lead into what led you to write the Rendlesham Forest UFO Conspiracy a close encounter exposed as a top secret government experiment. Nick? You want me to talk a little bit about the, the Roswell one, you mean? Let's talk a couple of minutes about Roswell because it kind of gets okay. you in the frame of mind for something like this. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind at all that something very weird and strange happened outside of Roswell in the summer of 47. You know, it, even the, the U.S. government, the Air Force, don't dispute the fact that something came down. You know, they take the view, crash test dummies and um, high-altitude balloons and things like this. Um, well, back in 2001, um, I was put in contact with three... Um, sort of old-timer uh, whistleblowers, if you like, and uh, a former nurse, a retired nurse, and they shared with me a story that collectively they were all part of the story, and they said that Roswell was really a series of high-altitude um, balloon flights that were designed to sort of... Um, address issues like um, not just high altitude but cosmic rays and really going to sort of the um, you know the fringes of the stratosphere so to speak and that some of these um, experiments were what we would call sort of not exactly legal or ethical and that people were used in, as guinea pigs in these experiments and some of them went wrong and they had these large lifting bodies attached to these huge balloon arrays went wrong and the whole thing was hidden under sort of a, a crashed UFO banner, if you like. And over the years, I've sort of gone on to uncover further data that still goes down that pathway. The idea of people being used against their will in uh, the late 40s, and it involved like the German paperclip scientists, particularly ones working in the field of, of medicine, sort of very dark and disturbing um, issue, if you like. Um, and I was actually told that there were a number of these accidents in the summer of 47 that they just didn't work well. Um, but the only one that really reached the public and the media was the Roswell one, because as it was explained to me, 
they they retrieved um, all of the other ones and the debris and the bodies with no problem because they knew where they were. But there was a problem um, with one of these things that came down uh, when they had this storm and it was blown further away than they were anticipated and couldn't find it because it was a nighttime flight. And the reason why it was a nighttime flight is because a lot of the, a lot of people may not know this, but a lot of the early um, balloons of the military in 47, but not just in 47, but in the summer months, they got so hot, uh, sometimes they would quite literally sort of explode. And so there were a lot of, a lot of experiments with undertaken during the, the night time in the desert. And that's basically the, the in, um, you know, it's sort of like a, a pinned down version, you know, as um, human experiments, high altitude balloons, guinea pigs against their will, and, and hidden behind UFOs. Now, something like this, what has been the reaction to the rest of the community? Because... You step kind of on a sacred cow here that Roswell was really the biggest case ever to prove that E.T. is visiting us. But before we get to that, and we'll talk about his explorations of Roswell and the reaction of the UFO community before we get into what might have really happened at Rendlesham and maybe not a visitation by something from way out there. We have Nick Redfern. The book is The Rendlesham Forest UFO Conspiracy. You're here with Gene and Randall. You're in The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You know what's really smart? Wash your hands frequently, practice social distancing, and stay home if told to do so. You know what's really dumb? To ignore your immune system. Right now, more than ever, your health depends on a strong immune system. The experts at Immunicorp will give you their seven-step guide to immunity for life, free. Why? Because we want you to be smart and healthy. Simply call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunocorp has been producing the world's leading immune system products for more than two decades. To get your free seven-step guide to immunity for life, call 800-446-3063. 800-446-3063. Be smart. Don't ignore your immune system. Your life depends on it. Call 800-446-3063 or click immunityforlife.com. Immunityforlife.com. Complement your health with hemp derived cannabinoid oil. 
We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com, antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203, 877-878-4203. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So what has been the reaction of people in the UFO field for, I guess, kind of stepping on a sacred cow there? With Roswell still, you mean? Yes, before we get to yeah. the next sacred cow. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, the first thing I should stress, you know, I don't sort of try and destroy these cases for the sake of it. I sort of question the UFO angle of all this because I think there are far more plausible scenarios. You know, if you look at the whole time frame with Roswell, in the in the summer of 1947, you know, you've got Los Alamos, you've got the White Sands um, Missile Range, uh, used to be the, the White Sands uh, Proving Ground, um, experiments with monkeys and chimpanzees, German scientists coming over, and also rumors of some of the uh, plans captured at the end of the Second World War from the Japanese of huge balloon arrays that they were planning to um, fly across the uh, Pacific and um, sort of launch attacks that way. So you put all those things together, sort of like chimpanzees, monkeys, you know, German scientists, Japanese scientists, all this going on in New Mexico, and then suddenly 
something comes down, which actually superficially does sound like a large balloon array. You know, there was no reports of, like, power systems or engines or warp drives or, or nothing like that. It was just this huge field of debris, which did sound like a large field of debris uh, from a balloon. This is what, exactly what all the people I interviewed, the old guys, said to me exactly what it was, that it was a huge uh, balloon array that, was li that lifted this lifting body. What happened was that there was a disaster and the balloon separated from the body itself. And so what you have, what you have is the, the craft itself, this lifting body, because of its weight, plummets to the ground. But then this huge balloon is still blown by the wind. And that's why you have two, the legendary two sites. One where there's the debris field that Brazel found, and then you've got the craft sort of like a mile or two further away because they separated high in the sky, so you have one plummet to the ground and the lighter one gets blown further. You know, when you put all that together, to me at least, that makes a great deal of sense. But when it comes to the UFO research community, common sense doesn't always come into the equation. What people want to hear are exciting tales of, for example, alien autopsies and back engineering of alien technology. But the whole Roswell angle, people want that. So, you know, I don't care what when they when they say they believe it's an extraterrestrial event, Roswell we're talking about. Nobody should be striving to believe that Roswell is extraterrestrial. What we should all be striving to do is to find the answers, regardless of what the answers are. When I go into any case, you know, I look at it from the perspective of the data and the evidence and the testimony. I don't go looking for data that is going to present a scenario that ufology could do you know so in that sense i mean i as i said i don't do it for the sake of it i certainly don't do it for the money because there's not a great deal of capital in stating you know that a certain ufo event didn't happen you know most people who wrote about roswell and rendlesham have written it from the perspective that these events did occur as ufo events but I don't think that's the case. So, you know, I'm not going to lie about it, but I am going to be, you know, sort of fully honest and say that I can tell you from experience that um, what I do, saying that Rendlesham wasn't extraterrestrial, saying Roswell wasn't extraterrestrial, does not make me in any kind of um, position or situation that advances my life in any way at all, you know. And I certainly don't take it for the grief, you know, from people in ufology. I, you know, I enjoy a good sort of argument with people. It's, I don't mind that, you know, that's fun. But, you know, when people say, oh, Nick does this for the money, you know, says this for the money or whatever, well, I, I'm not lying or exaggerating now when I say that if you write a, a non-UFO book or, or a book about a UFO that never was, I can assure you, if you're lucky, you'll bear, you'll sort of um, earn as much, as much as it sort of took to um, put the book together in the first place, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I do it because I feel, you know, if I uncover this data, I feel it's important to put out there, you know. That, that really is what it comes down to.
And so you should. It does put you in this situation, though, Nick, because you have written so many different books that are on the fringe about sci-related topics, the paranormal. They're all about that. So someone who doesn't necessarily realize that you do take a skeptical approach, those people are all, oh, Nick Redfern, you know, he's another one of those people who write about all of that paranormal nonsense. And then the people who do believe go, oh, that Nick, he's, you know, he's always writing some alternative theory you know, when we already know that it's a spaceship. So, I mean, you're caught right in the middle of it all. Well, I mean, that doesn't bother me. I mean, it's not like I'm sort of some sort of a cowardly person who sort of hides in the corner of the room. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know I, I stand my uh, ground, you know, and um, if people want to get into an argument, a fight, you know, uh, head to head, I, I'm cool with that, you know. Uh, I've got thick skin, I don't mind. But, yeah, when people say that, you know, I do this or I do that, and the one that often pops up, and this, unfortunately, dictates not a small percentage, but a, a persistent percentage of ufologies. Whenever I put a book out like this, at least five or six people will pop up in the first day or two basically saying, oh, Nick's being paid by the CIA or, you know, or the NSA or sort of <laughs> get me buying his next car, that kind of... Well, no, no one's actually ever said they're buying his new car. You know, Nick, we should have the CIA <laughs> buy you a brand new notebook computer so you can use Skype. You know, that's the first yeah. thing, and they're really late with those checks, aren't they? Yes, <laughs> But, um, but, yeah, I get that at least, as I said, five or six times within the first week, you guarantee that somebody will bring up the idea that, quote, I work, Nick works for the government, you know, and um, which is just ridiculous, you know, and um, I do it because I feel it needs to be done. And, um, and, and I did, I've ne maybe it's just my mindset, but I've never really understood why it's wrong to go down the alternative path when you believe that is the answer, you know. But I see so many times when I, when I did that, when the uh, Roswell book came out, the second one I did in 2017, I did a number of lectures and radio and spoke at the Roswell Festival in New Mexico. And um, so many people were not... So a lot of people thought, wow, this is actually quite interesting. They thought I was just going to debunk everything and there was going to be no data or evidence or scenarios. We hey. cannot debunk this and more with Nick Redfern. Okay. Coming up with Gene and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial or call 877-878-4203. 
Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. It's another weekend of protests by people demanding that everything be reopened, despite people still getting infected with COVID-19. Roberta Baker joined demonstrators in Lisbon, Ohio. Ohio does not have a dictatorship. And we need to get across to people that we still are not allowed to gather in groups of more than 10. We still are not allowed to gather with our families and our friends. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says some things are getting back to normal in his state, but it has to be done with great care. Reopening, right? You're on the other side of the tunnel. Uh, And how do you reopen? And reopening smartly, intelligently, with individual responsibility. So understanding you're going to see an increase in the numbers, but you don't want to see a spike. This is USA Radio News. The Navajo Nation is getting more aggressive in fighting COVID-19, and USA Radio's John Hunt has the story. Residents of the Navajo Nation will be under the strictest weekend lockdown in the United States. Grocery stores, gas stations, and other businesses will be closed, and essential workers are being told to stay at home until Monday around dawn. The Navajo Nation president made the announcement after a spike in deaths. The tribe now reports 127 deaths and 3,600 positive cases since it first began tracking. The Navajo Nation has been hit harder by the coronavirus than any other Native American reservation. The Department of Education and Education Secretary Betsy DeVos face a class action lawsuit demanding a stop to garnishment of student borrowers' wages. The suit was filed in District of Columbia Federal Court on behalf of borrowers whose paychecks continued to be garnished for student loans, which is a violation of the CARES Act. You're listening to USA Radio News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We have Nick Redfern. He's joining us, of course, to talk about primarily his new book, The Rendlesham Forest UFO Conspiracy. 
And now he's kind of giving us a little bit of the background of the fact that he's written stuff that may be contrary to conventional wisdom, but that's not why he writes those books, because if he was hoping to be very rich and famous, he's in the wrong business. Let's continue the discussion, Nick. I caught you in the middle of something. Let's continue. I was just going to say, you know, when you're looking at this whole, whole angle, you know, I've never really understood why people get upset if a case is solved and it turns not to be extraterrestrial. I get it. I understand it. You know, I'm in the field as well. I understand it. But we should be more in line in relation to finding answers and, and congratulate each other for what we've found. Absolutely no absolutely no argument there, Nick. Uh, and actually, you know, I consider myself to be a ufologist, but pretty much an armchair ufologist, but I'm I'm pretty serious about it. I do it as more than you know just a pastime, so I, I think I would qualify. You are one of the authors that I always appreciate just for the reasons that you just described. It's always interesting reading your books. I've got a whole number of them on my shelf, and they never fail to be interesting and thought-provoking, ever. Well, I appreciate that, but sometimes people don't want that. What they want is cool stories that are going to sort of excite them. And well, if that's uh, yeah. what people want, well, you know, that's how it goes, but that isn't how it should go. Then. What they're expecting here is Nick's going to be like the classic rock and roll star. That, like John Fogarty, who still sings Proud Mary 50 years after it was done. You know, they expect him to just play the hits and not come up with new stuff. Now, I really want to start moving heavily into this because it's getting to be more involved than we might think. In fact, you've got a section looking over here. Uh, you also talk about the Hicks and Parker case, the Pascagoula, Mississippi case. And before we get to Rendlesham, I'm going to ask you about that. Do you think that also was some kind of government experiment? Yes, I do. <laughs> and, and again, not just for the sake of it. I mean, the, the Hicks and Parker case is to abductions what Roswell is to UFO crashes, you know. It's, it's sort of one of the defining events in that particular aspect of ufology. Now, the reason why I mention the Hicks and Parker case in the book is for a very relevant but also controversial reason. Now, everybody, I'm sure, listening has heard of the Parker-Hickson case, and I actually spent uh, a weekend at a conference last weekend with, with Calvin Parker, you know, had a really good time hanging out, and, you know, I don't think he was, you know, lying at all. I don't think he exaggerated. I think he saw what he saw based on his own perceptions. And that's where he gets sort of controversial. You know, someone's perceptions are altered, then what you're seeing may not be what you're actually seeing, but you are honestly telling the story as you see it. And I'm, that's exactly how I feel about uh, Calvin Parker, you know, totally honesty. Now, what's one of the most important things is to note, and a lot of people don't know this, unfortunately, is that the area of the Mississippi River where they were fishing on the night when they were abducted, not too far away, just a couple of miles, is a place called Horn Island. Now, Horn Island 
is one of the sort of most notorious but lesser-known places in the history of mind control and mind manipulation, experimentation, kind of similar to MKUltra. And a lot of research was done on Horn Island, and it uh, involved and revolved around hallucinogenic technology, you know, to see how literally sort of releasing aerosol-based hallucinogens into the uh, sky and see what the outcome is. And this was done in the throughout the 50s, 60s, and rumours also that it went on in the 1970s. Now, some people might say it's only a coincidence, but when you've got one of the most famous and visible alien abduction stories and it all occurred just a couple of miles from a place where hallucinogenics and uh, mind-altering uh, phenomena was used to see how it could be uh, developed for the battlefield you know when you put those two things together I have to wonder you know was it a real abduction uh, by aliens or was it a situation where the two men, Parker and Hickson, were plunged into very altered states of mind that the UFO event, if you like, was, was played out. It was like theatre. And then afterwards, the guys that were involved that did it sit back and see how precisely or not the two guys themselves responded to this. And you can learn a great deal from, from using human guinea pigs in that fashion, you know, you, you just sit back and watch the exper experiment play out. I recommend people to sort of look into this angle between a specific area of the Mississippi River, the abduction, and Horn Island. And it really opens your eyes, you know, when you look at it from that entire perspective. And that's why I use that story in the book, because it actually parallels some of the allegations made in relation to uh, Rendell forest as well i should point out that we've had calvin parker on the powercast a couple of times mm -hmm. really good guy i agree with you he's yep. honestly attempting to report what really yep. happened let me throw out one thing before we go to the case history of rendleship betty and barney hill okay live right near a military base friends in the military anything there that indicates a possible government experiment well yes i've also got a chapter in the book, in the Rendlesham book, on the whole issue of the interrupted journey, Betty and Barney Hill. The reason for that, primarily, again, is to, what I do towards the end of the book is to show a few examinations, other cases, classic cases, where I think they too could have been tied to the whole issue of um, experimentation rather than extraterrestrial event. One of the most intriguing things about all of this is not so much just the case itself, the Betty and Barney Hill case, which just about everybody knows. What a lot of people don't know is the backstory of John Fuller. In the 1950s, uh, mid to late 1950s, John Fuller, as a professional journalist was actually approached by people who were working on the MK Ultra program. One of them actually tried to get Fuller to be able to sort of 
blow the story, you know, of MK Ultra back in the 50s. And at the time, Paula was kind of, yes, it was a great story, but even he had his limits when it came to the fear factor and, and chose not at that time, at least, to go with the story. But he actually had insiders in the 1950s who did um, share data upon um, becoming a friend, if you like, or an ally with some of these people in the um, CIA. And Fuller became an expert on the field of sort of my manipulation, although that's not known too well. But the extent to which his interest grew in the latter part of the 1960s, he wrote a book on a notorious event that occurred in the early 1950s in France when an entire village um, was plunged into this state of like psychedelic madness. It was put down to a substance called ergot, which can cause um, graphic sort of um, uh, situations and, and changes in the human mind and hallucinations. But the, the rumor was that this was done by France's uh, intelligence agencies working alongside U.S. intelligence. And it was essentially a case of using this little French village um, as a place to operate and, and carry out this experiment. Well, let's, let's break it here. Got more to come. We're focusing on other experimentation before we hone in on Rendlesham with Gene and Randall and Nick Redfern. You're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with longevity. TeamGaday.com. Houseflies defecate every four to five minutes, spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic, no batteries required, only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at bugassault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your bug assault today.
now with orders to stay at home. Public health concerns. The reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses. Your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day, but supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. 
But in their first book and in Jenny Randall's second and third book, there was always sort of little references to the idea that, well, what if it wasn't a UFO event? What if it was some sort of military technology and maybe the technology was directed against the military personnel to see how they reacted to strange phenomena that suddenly plunged in front of them? So... I was obviously sort of mindful of these particular theories, but the weird thing was nobody had ever really decided to put all the data together on this so-called secret experiment angle and then pursue it with other leads and other contacts and do interviews. It, for whatever reason, whether it was, um, you know, sort of subconscious kind of angle of not wanting to rock the boat, I don't know. But the secret experiment angle in all of the books, as it's, whether it's um, Jenny's, Brenda's, Dot's, um, Nick Pope's book, um, Georgina Bruni's book, have all written books on Rendlesham Forest, but um, they only gave like, you know, a few, half a dozen pages on the experiment angle. But the threads were really interesting, so that's why I chose to look into it and just push and push and pursue and pursue to the point where we are right now. Um, and I felt, you know, it was important to address this angle that, you know, almost like the, the elephant in the room, you know, nobody wanted to talk about it apart from the bare bones. But if there's bare bones, well, maybe you can put meat on it. And that you did. So I'd like to kind of jump right into the middle of the book in Chapter 12, where you kind of go through a fictional version of what you think may have happened can we can you just walk us through that and that'll give us kind of a a loose framework on which to build the rest well i mean are you talking about um the story of ralph noise uh, i i think it's where uh you mentioned a novel by nick pope well this is one of the interesting things about this in relation to rendlesham a number of people who worked in the british ministry of defense wrote novels in two cases in two cases uh, they actually involved rendlesham one of them the most visible one was nick pope nick wrote a book called operation thunderchild which was a novel and it was followed by operation lightning strike Certainly uh, in the first novel, um, you know, Rendlesham is, is mentioned on a number of occasions. And, of course, Nick has also written uh, a non-fiction book on Rendlesham. Now, of course, because um, Nick worked in the MOD on the UFO desk as well, you know, people said, well, has he written this novel based upon top secrets that he learned about in the MOD? And I don't think that is the case. But there's one guy who I think actually did know the truth of the matter and tried his best to reveal the truth in a novel because he was concerned about doing it in a, a non-fiction fashion. And this was a guy named Ralph Noyes, and that's N-O-Y-E-S rather than Noyes Noyes. <laughs> Ralph Noyes had a, a, like a, a lifetime career in the British Air Ministry in the 50s and 60s, and then when it became the 1970s, he continued in the Ministry of Defence, as it then became named. In 1985, Ralph Noyes wrote a novel called A Secret Property, and it, it's kind of hard to get now, but you can find it on uh, Amazon, uh, A Secret Property. It was published in 1985, and it's essentially 
a fictional version or excuse me, a fictional version of Rendlesham, but it's so close it's almost laughable. For example, in the real story you've got Charles Holt, Colonel Holt, who wrote the famous memo about the events. But in the novel, Colonel Holt is Colonel Hoyt. And the two uh, military bases that are involved, Woodbridge and Bentwaters, are combined into one called Bentbridge. In other words, you know, the whole thing <laughs> is just like um, a story-based version of Rendlesham. However, the important and interesting thing is that in the novel, the Ministry of Defence and their scientists learn that the the phenomenon that is involved actually isn't extraterrestrial technology and the thrust of it revolves around um, technology and visions created um, by the human mind and which can be expanded upon. So in other words, the whole thing is sort of driven by mirage, sort of sophisticated mirages, holograms, um, the ability to manipulate the human mind and to do so as a means to terrify and frighten the enemy by suddenly plunging them into the sort of projected imagery and that is extremely close uh, in terms of the the theme to most of the data that I got from the various people I interviewed and ironically that's also that particular angle um, that has been touched on in some of the other books the non-fiction books written on Rendlesham so yeah the the story of Ralph Noyes is an interesting one because when you read his novel and when what you read what he said afterwards you know in a very carefully worded fashion um, he was clearly trying to tell a real story but not to lose his pension with the with the government because he wouldn't be getting too close um, to the truth so um, I think if the truth the full picture comes out in relation to Rendlesham I think we'll see that Ralph Noyes was one of the few people who possibly knew the whole story but feared of what would happen if he came out with it. And what it all seems to add up to is some kind of uh, psychic weapon uh, that's composed of, as you say, various uh, ways to confuse people and fool them into thinking something is there when it's not uh, through the means of electronics and possibly uh, chemical mind control. Yes, that's exactly. And, um, and when you've sort of got mind control, I mean, the words mind control into a lot of people, and, and sometimes quite rightly, you know, it just sort of provokes images of totally paranoid people, you know, peering through the curtains and thinking the CIA watching them 24-7. But, you know, the, the fact is, mind control, mind manipulation, things like this, you know, it is, um, in terms of, the history of intelligence agencies around the world, you know, it's been a, a primary aspect. And, um, and I think one of the fallings within the field of ufology is that so many people in ufology have yet to grasp the connection between so-called UFO events and mind manipulation. And there's, there's so much out there that still has to be sort of touched and mined, um, you know, that I'm sure that other cases may one day be sort of shown to be something that they actually weren't.
We're going to continue with a lot more of this. The Rendlesham Forest UFO conspiracy is... Neg Redfern paints the background of what led him to conclude that this was a top-secret government experiment, not a visitation by E.T. And I'm going to ask him a quick question before we go back to Rendlesham, and that is a, a case that, to me, is somewhat similar because of the alleged injury that that was a result, which is Cash Landrum. So we'll get into that in our next segment and get back into Rendlesham. With Gene Randall and Nick, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product, Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal Hair Care System is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Nick Redfern, before we jump headlong into Rendlesham, Cash Landrum happening roughly the same time. Do you think also a government experiment? I actually do, and I'll tell you why for several reasons. One, you know, there's the angle that um, Cash Landrum, which occurred uh, not too far from Houston, Texas in December 1980, occurred almost to the day, almost, with some of the events that occurred in Rendlesham Forest in England. Now, you know, what are the chances of having two of the most significant alleged UFO events of the 1980s both occurring 
within sort of a couple of days each of each other, one in the US, one in the UK. And that, I think, is an important thing. But one of the other things, and I, whether people forget this or not, but the description of the craft is one that you don't see that often, namely a craft sort of moving through the sky with flames coming out of it. Another one I can think of is the Lonnie Zamora case of um, April 1964 in Socorro, New Mexico. But other sort of well-known cases, you know, of craft taken to the sky and blasting flames out of them, you don't get much like that, you know, in what I think are the genuine UFO cases, because I do believe there is a genuine phenomenon. You know, we don't really see much along the lines of a great deal of noise, you know, and and sort of, you know, flames just sort of um, belching out of the, the craft, you know. And the fact that, you know, there were so many military vehicles, helicopters, on the scene very quickly leads me to think that they were probably getting ready, possibly, because they knew that things were starting to malfunction, or this was just a team of helicopters that were there in case something went wrong, and as it turned, as it turned out, something did go wrong. So I think those issues, for me at least, are, if nothing else, they're strong pointers that this was some sort of military test probably went wrong and in some hazy way could have had some sort of connection with uh, Rendlesham. The problem, though, of course, is that when it comes to UFO sightings, we can do this for practically a, a, any case out there that it, we can come up with one of these reasons, if, if, if not a combination of reasons. We could say maybe the same thing for Kecksburg. You know, how do we differentiate then between the real thing? Because I don't think you're saying when you're writing about these things that there isn't such a thing as alien visitation. Yeah, I think you recognize that that's a distinct possibility. Uh, if not, believe it. I'm not really sure entirely where you stand on that, but I don't think you're writing that off as an as a possibility, but you are bringing in these alternatives to look at. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the important thing to note is that over the years, you know, there's been thousands and thousands of, of UFO cases, and I'm sure thousands more where the people haven't reported or talked about it, you know, perhaps other than to family and friends. But no, um, you're right. I, I fully do believe in the existence of a genuine UFO phenomenon. Now, whether it's extraterrestrial, interdimensional, multidimensional, something supernatural based, something we can't even understand. I honestly have to say, I don't know what the real phenomenon is, but I do believe there is a genuine UFO phenomenon. But the important thing to note is I think not only is there the fabricated events, the secret experiments, I think what's happened is that government agencies, intelligence agencies, military operations, they've realized that yes, there is this genuinely weird UFO phenomenon, but hang on guys, we can hijack this real phenomenon and use it to our advantage by mimicking the real phenomenon. So it gets a little bit complicated, but that's what I think is going on, that there are two different phenomena. There's the military and the intelligence angle, and there's the genuine unknown UFO phenomenon, and the, um, the genuine one. 
and they go so well hand in hand if they're wanting yeah. to keep it, keep the real thing secret that it, it just becomes this hall of mirrors where you can barely tell one from the other. And then along comes someone like yourself and you'll find a thread to start pulling on. And then you see where it goes. And in your book, uh, you know, I look for where that is and I write in chapter one, the object was hovering on legs. Now, there's a pretty good place to start pulling threads. Tell us how you kind of got onto these threads and, and where it led you. Well, I mean, first and foremost, like I said, when, you know, I was still a kid when Rendlesham happened in 1980. And so my first exposure to it all was the books, you know, and the magazines that were around at that time and um, like the English equivalents of like Fate, you know, and um, UFO Universe, all those kind of magazines. And the more I got into it, you know, I realized, well, Clearly something happened, and the theory is that it was just a, the lights from a lighthouse was garbage, or it was just a bunch of guys drunk, you know, because it was Christmas. I mean, that's just, that's just ridiculous. But the more I looked into it, you know, as I said earlier, that there were these snippets of the, the secret experiment angle. So when I decided to sort of get further into this aspect of Rendlesham, one of the things I focused on, which is exactly what I did with the Roswell story and a lot of the other cases I get into, when it could you go either way, is that I look at the history of the area, the location, you know, what goes on there, because so many people just focus on the UFO events. They don't focus on the surrounding aspects of the story, which may be connected. This is where one of the things that really clinched it for me that we were looking at a a secret experiment, and it's the location. And by the location, I don't mean Rendlesham Forest itself, but the immediate landscape in and around the area of the uh, the forest itself. And I'll explain what I mean by this. Rendlesham Forest has been Rendlesham Forest for a long, long time. Now, in 1935, the British government created something called the Tizard Committee, which was an early radar program. You know, radar was in its infancy then, and we're talking about early 19, early to mid-1930s. You know, we needed to get a viable radar operation up and going in, in case Hitler does invade. A couple of years later, there was a very strange situation at a little village called uh, Shingle Street. And Shingle Street is a little village near the east coast of England. There are rumours that have been going around for years that on one occasion late at night, a contingent of German military personnel tried to invade the east coast of England via Shingle Street. But the story is that they were all burned to death by some sort of strange technology. Then in the 1950s, we've got uh, another top secret uh, radar operation called Cobra Mist. And then in the 1980s and 90s, and an ongoing connection with Marconi, the Marconi Corporation. Now, the reason I mention all that is because the Tizard Committee, the Cobra Mist operation, this weird experiment at Shingle Street that supposedly set all the German troops on fire, the Marconi facilities, all of these were less than 11 miles from Edmundsham Forest. 
all those facilities where all those operations work from were literally less than 11 miles, 10 miles from the woods themselves. In other words, Rendlesham Forest isn't just you know, any random forest, nor is the locations and the facilities that exist there and have existed there. The whole place has been a hotbed for top-secret experimentation going back to 1935 with the Tizard Committee. So my view is, when I started looking into this, well, hang on a minute, why aren't people really making a big thing about this, that the whole area, you know, has been this, as I said, a hotbed for weird scientific operations. Haven't people thought there could be a connection? And that's when I began to think, well, maybe they just don't care. I'll tell you, let's do the break here now, and then we'll continue with that. We've got much more to come with Nick, Gene, and Randall. You're in. The Paracast. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is a pandemic survival alert and the most time-sensitive messages you will hear this year. You still have time to plant a one-acre crisis garden and secure a supply of your own nutrient-dense food. But time is running out, and it's one deadline you don't want to miss. Who should plant a crisis garden? Individuals, families, churches, communities, anyone or any group that sees hard times ahead. Let's face it, even the mainline media is talking about food supply disruptions and the growing number of grocery store workers who are becoming sick. But there's more. Meat Packing plants are closing, mile-long lines at food pantries, and more farmers now in financial trouble. The truth is, growing nutrient-dense vegetables this summer may be the single most important thing you do. Go to survivalseedbank.com and watch the new video to understand what we're really up against. Get free bonus seeds, special quarantine reports, too. Don't wait. Every minute counts. Go to survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. Let me ask you something. What are you doing when you put money in a 401k or IRA or store jumper cables in your vehicle or purchase health insurance? You're preparing. You're preparing to ensure you have enough money for retirement. You're preparing for when your car battery dies or to have assistance paying a major unexpected medical bill. 
That all makes sense. The same goes for building a food storage plan. You're preparing for when emergencies or disasters strike and shelves go empty at your grocery store. The best way to prepare is with My Patriot Supply. They've helped a million hardworking Americans become more self-sufficient. My Patriot Supply sells hundreds of items, including dozens of emergency food kits at MyPatriotSupply.com. It could be an earthquake, a cyber attack freezing our banking system, or a disaster that shuts down our power grid for weeks. For all these emergencies and more, get your supplies and prepare today at MyPatriotSupply.com. No more rushing to find empty store shelves because you're too late. Do it now so you're ready. MyPatriotSupply.com. With more people listening to radio than visit Google, Facebook, or YouTube, from the very young to the very old, everyone listens to radio, pillow companies, alarm, identity theft, nutrition, insurance, banking, automotive, the list goes on and on. Billion-dollar businesses. Why? The answer is radio, the media everyone tunes into. Find out how effective and affordable radio can be for your business. Contact 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So we're talking about Rendlesham, a different point of view, the one that could be correct that it was an experiment from the government Randall had a question of Nick Redfern. Yeah, I was just going to sum up then that just before the break, the idea is then that in the vicinity, there are a lot of factors that are, say, just a little too coincidental and that fit the picture to ignore the picture. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of mind games has gone on there in the area, you know, and um, places that no one's allowed in, you know, unless you've got the right clearance. It's important, you know, to sort of, to put that picture together because, it, you know, it just hasn't been done that often. And when it has been done, you know, people have have sort of said to the, the debunker, so to speak, well, you're just a debunker, and they've sort of slinked away. But my view is, no, you know, we've just got to keep pushing and pushing. So. Well, there's nothing wrong with debunking something so long as it is an actual debunking of something. <laughs> that's that's just the thing. We want to know what it really is, and all debunking does is is actually find a way to give us good reasons to think that that's the case. We shouldn't be afraid of that. What we've also got there, I mean, apart from everything else, is, of course, RAF Bentwaters, right? So there's a lot of military high-tech secrecy type stuff going on around there. At the time. So, okay. Well, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then again, we, we might say, well, UFOs have had a historical interest in these places. They want mm-hmm. to study what's going on there. So maybe that's just as valid, too. Well, yeah. I mean, you can look at it both ways. There's no doubt about that. And that's, and unfortunately, that happens so much in ufology, you know, that you can look at different uh, theories and angles and say, well, you know, part of this seems to work and part of that. It's sort of like, you know, the the story of Jack the Ripper. You can come up with like 10 or 15 theories as to who he was and all of them seems to have like a vague aspect where 
well, yeah, that could be right, and that one could be right as well, but clearly they can't all be correct. I have to admit, that is one of the downsides when it comes to the issue of trying to really nail it down when you are actually faced with the possibility that there could be more than one or two genuinely plausible scenarios. Going through this, that's um, back to just before the break there, and when I was asking the, the original question on sort of the threads a person might want to pull on, and I was mentioning just you know, the, what you call chapter one, the object was hovering on legs. You know, yeah. right oh, yeah. immediately you go, well, wait a minute. Was it hovering or was it on legs? Like, which one was it? It can't be both, right? So maybe let's just start unraveling some of these threads like that and, and see where they lead us. Well, yeah, I mean, this sort of touches on one of the sort of more controversial aspects of the story, namely the use and sort of deployment, if that's the right term, of sort of like uh, sophisticated hologram technology, you know, essentially ensuring or doing their utmost to ensure that people can really be fooled by something that appears to be right in front of them, that seems to be hovering in front of them, that possibly even looks like it's, it's touching down to the ground. But it's a hologram. It's not really there, but it, it presents itself as being there. And I think where things really get problematic is when you have the guys who were there who are absolutely sure of what they were seeing was some sort of uh, otherworldly craft or, you know, something that was, well, at least something they'd never seen before, not realizing that the whole situation is, is essentially there uh, to see how all of those guys would respond um, you know, to the situation they were suddenly plunged into in uh, the night of uh, December 28 and uh, spilling over into the following day and just having their minds blown, you know, because of um, of what they saw, but not realizing that, that what they saw wasn't a physical thing, so to speak. And if you think about it, most people, if they saw something like them in the woods, their first thought because it was so advanced and sophisticated, it wouldn't be, oh, it's a, it's a hologram. They would think it really was a genuine craft. That's why the primary characters in the story, uh, Jim Penniston, John Burroughs, Charles Holt, and all the other guys, that's why I don't think you know they were exaggerating. I don't believe they were lying at all. But I do believe they were deceived by what they thought they were seeing. This kind of ties in with another aspect of the story as well, the deployment of what was referred to me as low-grade hallucinogens um, to play with the mindset of the guys as well. Uh, You've got these two things going on at the same time to really, you know, sort of mess with the minds of the guys. They see this strange thing. For example, several of the guys reported uh, missing time. Uh, They had problems uh, remembering certain parts of the story. Some of them felt spaced out. You know, you put that together and you've got a very sophisticated, calculated experiment undertaken right on the fringes of two military bases where, you know, if anything went wrong, it could all be contained, but also
also, you know, it was the whole Christmas period when most of the people, at the, or a lot of the people at both bases, were actually uh, had taken, planned to take time off from being at the base because they wanted to spend time with their families because they were spending, you know, they were on the bases so long. And so, in other words, there was actually just like a skeleton crew at both bases. So, in other words, you want to run this operation, the best time to do it is when there's a minimum of people around. Most people who aren't at the bases are celebrating uh, Christmas, and the ones who are at the base, well, it's just a skeleton crew anyway. That is all so interesting. Uh, it's, and when you were talking about uh, the possibility of some sort of holographic technology, of course, then you're talking about possibly the use of, of lasers or particle technology. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was right around the same time, Benowitz in the USA was having all kinds of weird sightings of these plasma, uh, what he thought were UFOs. And... Uh, Still, Greg Bishop, he like he brought up the idea that I think it's the Starfire optical range is right across the way from him, pretty much. Well, not exactly, but certainly within range of um, him to be able to see any of the tests they might be doing and that he was messed around with. Well, yeah, and again, that's sort of 1980. You know, Benowitz was 1980, Rendlesham was 1980, Cash Landrum was 1980. And, you know, where, again, whether you go with the UFO angle or not, a lot of it really was um, revolving around sort of the, the manipulation of people, of humans, you know. And um, if you read um, Greg Bishop's book, Project Beta, on Benowitz, I mean... He was just sort of, just used as sort of, you know, the worst guinea pig you could ever come up with in terms of how he was affected, I mean. We've Um, got more to come with Gene, Nick, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump is trying to develop a coronavirus vaccine. USA Radio Network's Tim Berg has more. Speaking at the White House, the president says he's looking to get a vaccine, hopefully by the end of the year. My administration cut through every piece of red tape to achieve the fastest ever by far launch of a vaccine trial. 
for this new virus, this very vicious virus. The president spending his weekend at Camp David. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. The House has passed a $3 trillion HEROES Act to help deal with the economic fallout from the coronavirus. A $3 trillion liberal wish list is not a serious proposal. This isn't a wish list. If it's a wish list, it's for the working class people. Senate Republicans and the White House say the bill is dead on arrival. This is USA Radio News. A senior State Department official confirms President Trump has fired the State Department internal watchdog. Inspector General Steve Linick has been removed and Ambassador Steve Accard, a career Foreign Service officer, will be replacing him. Linick did play a role during the impeachment of President Trump over Ukraine, requesting a meeting with congressional Democrats and handing over documents related to the State Department and to Ukraine. The administration is also reportedly considering resuming U.S. funding for the World Health Organization. Sources say the United States will likely reduce future funding to match the level of China's contribution. That's roughly about $40 million. That would be down significantly from the U.S.'s previous investment in the WHO, which was about $400 million annually. You're listening to USA Radio News. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625-800-503-8625 hi this is tracy torme screenwriter producer you're listening to paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio Now, before we get back, of course, to all these individuals and the different instances, I just want to name one person, which is John Burroughs. All the physical problems he has had, he had to actually go out, get a lawyer to help him get the government to pay for his so-called injuries. What happened to him? Is that also something that was part of Rendlesham or something different? was part of Rendlesham. In fact, John is actually quite open to the so-called secret experiment angle. You know, he actually thinks it's quite plausible. I've actually been chatting with him about it um, just in the last few days. So, you know, it's not sort of Nick versus the world kind of thing, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something actually quite different, and um, I expect a lot of more data to come out, you know, not just by me. When you've got sort of holograms and some of the guys, you know, are exposed to these, you know, sort of uh, low-grade uh, hallucinogens and so on, you know, when you put all that together and it's carefully calculated, it's Christmas time, 
don't have a full staff at the bases, and you're in the woods. And bear in mind, that part of England is quite isolated, little villages, and the events occurred at like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. Hardly anybody's going to be out in Randlesham Forest at that time of night. This angle of the, the guys having their, mess, their minds messed around with actually um, sort of goes back to a place called Porton Down. And Porton Down is situated in the uh, southwest of the UK, and it's a highly um, secret and uh, contained facility where the British government carries out its research into things like chemical warfare, biological warfare, viruses, things like this. And it's very much like uh, a combination of, in the United States, Fort Detrick and the uh, Dugway Proving Ground. One of the reasons why I mention this is, for example, Lord Hill Norton, who was one of the most powerful people in the UK military in the 1970s, he got very interested after his retirement in the Rendlesham story. And he, you know, being who he was, you know, someone with a lot of clout and a lot of influence, he went looking for the answers to Rendlesham. And in doing so, he found there was a connection between Porton Down and Rendlesham. But when he first started looking into it, he wasn't sure what the connection was, just that there was. The further he looked into it, he came to uh, uncover data that suggested that it was from Porton Down where these carefully positioned devices that would release the hallucinogens into the woods was done by scientists from Porton Down. Now, people might say, you know, well, that people from scientists from Porton Down aren't going to, you know, in the middle of the night in the woods release you know, hallucinogens into the forest and affect the, their own personnel, surely. Well, there actually is a, a genuine, provable case where that exactly happened. Uh, it was in 1964 in Forestland, interestingly enough, uh, not too far from Porton Down itself, where a contingent of UK Marines were asked to take part in an experiment, but they weren't told what kind of experiment it was. They were just told it's going to take place in the woods, nearby woods. When they got out there, they didn't realize that they'd been dosed with LSD. And the event itself was filmed by the government, and that film has now been declassified through the terms of the Freedom Information Act. Uh, if you Google LSD, Porton Down, 1964, British Army, It'll take you to a number of leads and threads, but it'll also take you on YouTube, which is the original film footage secretly taken by Porton Down scientists as they filmed these young guys who are 19, 20, 21 in the woods, and suddenly things start to go weird for them. One of them, the most graphic memory, if you like, is this guy who looks on his face where he's about to have a full-blown panic attack and this female nurse um, is holding his hand trying to calm him down. So when people say the British government doesn't test, you know, hallucinogens on its 
own personnel in the woods. It does, and it did. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, it did. And, and, I mean, that's a fact. There's no hearsay <laughs> to that. You, yeah, you, you can, can see, see that. The- so the one guy was having a bad trip, all right, but most of the other guys, they like quite a few of them were just kind of laughing, and a couple of them were climbing trees. They should, they kind of gave up on the whole war thing altogether. <laughs> it was pretty funny, actually, in retrospect. I mean, maybe not the nicest thing to pull on unsuspecting people well, to dose them. Well, yeah, the, the important thing to note is that although the experiments in 1964 just outside of Portendown was with LSD, what Hill Norton found out was that it was hallucinogens, but it was not LSD that was used in Rendlesham Forest, as it was told to him at least. And what was told to him, it was sort of like a low-grade hallucinogen that sent the guys into like a a weirded out state, but not kind of like presented in 1964 when it was full-blown LSD and they just couldn't function and were rolling around on the on the ground and laughing, you know. Just the fact that someone like Lord Hill Norton not only went pursuing this aspect of the Rendlesham controversy, but actually uncovered sort of um, insider source data, you know, in relation to this adds sort of another level to the story as well. Uh, Indeed. I think also we could look at a lot of ancient astronaut theories this way when you get into the mythology and such and uh, perhaps even Nazca lines and such. You you find that there are uh, hallucinogenic properties in the rituals that they used. And then you get uh, out of that these tales that sound a lot like alien visitation. Well, I mean, if you look throughout the history of, you know, hallucinogenics, mind-altering substances, I mean, you know, the the shaman in the local village in, you know, somewhere in South America, you know, a very revered kind of person. And I mean, if you look at so many religious experiences, you know, they go out into desert locations and commune with the gods, and it's very much an altered state, you know. We're not talking about just getting stoned, but it's sort of more along the lines of meditating and putting your mind into that sort of, you know, relaxed state. And there's not much difference between that and, say, the 1950s contactees and the Space Brothers, you know, going out to the deserts, you know, up to California and Giant Rock and communing with the aliens at 2 a.m., you know, George Van Tassel. There's not much difference between that and Moses going out to get the Ten Commandments. That that might sort of um, upset some people, but the fact is, you know, the mirror images really are there. Definitely. I mean, we could expand this right out to pretty much all areas of the paranormal, especially when it comes to psychic phenomena, Uh, even people who think that perhaps they've uh, gone through a rift in time or something like that, because Mm -hmm. when people are under the influence of those types of uh, chemicals, time is completely altered. I mean, missing time, the whole, I mean, really, the key fits so many doors, it's pretty hard to just dismiss it out of hand. Well, you're right. And I think, you know, one thing that a lot of people don't necessarily focus on too much is the issue of perception. It's not always just about the case. It's also about the mindset of the person when they saw the craft or they saw the entity or they were taught, taken on bef- uh, beyond the, uh, you know, onto the UFO or whatever. So I think perception is is a vital aspect 
of all UFO events, or actually anything that's kind of unforeseen and has paranormal overtones, you know, kind of like um, somebody sees a Loch Ness monster, somebody sees a Bigfoot, you know, um, so many people just ask the witnesses, well, what did you see? What did it look like? What did it smell like? How tall was it? You know, questions that should also be asked are along the lines of, how did you feel, you know, what were the, your perceptions of it and how did it affect you? We've got more to come with Nick, Gene and Randall. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family survival to survivalistcamps.com. I'm here with Scott Uceum, founder of OMG Tax. Tell us how your company helps our listeners out there who have a problem with the IRS. My team of lawyers, enrolled agents, and licensed tax experts remove wage garnishments sometimes in the same day. We even have reduced the total debt some of our clients were required to pay through what is known as an offer in compromise. Can you give us an example of somebody you help? Oh, can I ever? We have taken a $500,000 liability with the IRS Guess what? The client didn't pay a dime through the representation known as non-collectible status with the government. If you owe the IRS more than $10,000 and you want to see if it's possible to pay a lot less, call OMG Tax right now for a free tax-saving consultation. Call 800-486-8112. 800-486-8112. 800-486-8112. That's 800-486-8112. 
Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR. DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. It always affects me pleasantly when Nick Redfern's on the show because he always has such great stuff to offer and some fascinating ideas to think about. Go ahead, Nick. Well, yeah, like I said before the break, you know, we're talking about perceptions, not just the events, but how they affected the person who actually saw the entity or the creature or the craft. I think more time and effort needs to be applied to that aspect as well. And I think the people who run these kind of programs, they are extremely skilled when it comes to handling these kind of programs. You know, it's not just done to see how the technology works, but it's also done to see how the mind can be radically and rapidly changed. And I I guess more than anything else, what opposing sides on the battlefield want is unforeseen situations for the other side. They've got everything planned out and then everything goes to hell because suddenly there are these images in the sky, you know, that kind of thing. So I think a lot of effort goes into these programs. As we sort of mentioned earlier, they have the early, excuse me, earlier, but they have the perfect situation where they can use a real phenomenon UFOs as a cover story. You launch this secret experiment. Yes, you want to find out how minds can be altered and changed, but you use it uh, under a UFO motif. And when people go looking, they really think it is UFOs. So it's sort of a really brilliant way to achieve an astounding experiment and everybody thinks it's aliens. You know, it's sort of the, the perfect camouflage, the perfect cover. It does kind of imply, though, that that there's a a major cooperative effort on the part of more than, say, just the people who are experimenting with these substances. For example, it was, I think, 2015. We have Charles Halt, right? So he's one of the main witnesses. And he says that he has confirmation from Bentwater's radar operators that they saw an object go across their radar scope in two or three seconds at thousands of miles an hour, come back onto their scopes, stop near the tower, and disappear into the Rendlesham Forest. If that's the case, then 
these radar people are also being spoofed or are they in on it? Or, I mean, at what point do we go that, look, this conspiracy has to be so large that it can't possibly be a conspiracy anymore? Well, I actually talk about the issue of sort of uh, fake radar, if you like, in the book. And this goes back to the 1950s and 60s and a guy named Gene Potiat. And Gene Potiat, if you look look his name up, you know, he was somebody with um, significant ties to you know, advanced technology uh, programs and the intelligence community. And he came up with this ingenious technology that would allow for radar screens to actually portray and present imagery that actually wasn't there. And the plan really was to sort of confuse the Russians. You know, the Russians would be tracking things that actually weren't there at all. And it would allow potentially for us to, you know, sort of sneak in when they're trying to figure out what are all these, you know, these figures on the screen coming up. So I talk about that in the book and Potiak was known for this sort of new technology that allows for sort of ghost images on radar screens, which where literally nothing was there. So, you know, there are reasons and means and whys as to how the radar aspect um, could be fabricated as well to create again in the mind of the personnel that this really was crafting the sky, not realizing it was something like a, a post potiat experiment. That's really interesting because um, one of the ideas for this uh, Nimitz encounter, the Tic Tac UFO case, is that that is exactly what was going on there as well with some sort of radar spoofing in combination with some kind of holographic technology. I know that when I brought that up, I got some, I got some blowback for that. And yet I, I looked into it further. And like you say, that technology does exist. And it turns out that the Navy has been investing heavily in it. So you could have radar operators that are out of the loop, I suppose, and don't know that this is going on and think it's real. But then who up the chain is the one in all of this who knows what's really going on? Have you have you been able to figure out sort of the, the primary office or department that would be responsible for, for coordinating all this? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good point because people, you know, have legitimately asked since the book came out, you know, well, who actually ran the experiment? You know, we're talking about a UK base which was essentially like leased out to the US contingent at Bent Waters and Woodbridge, and you've got American personnel on UK soil. And Porton Down, which was a significant part of the story, was at least, you know, um, involved. So that part of the story is UK-based. However, and I think Ralph Noyes came to that same conclusion that part of it was done via the UK because he seemed to know so much about it. In saying that, though, when you come to the hologram aspect of it, portions of it at least go back towards sort of U.S. scientists and personnel. So it may well have been sort of like an Anglo-American experiment, and because the U.K. and the U.S. are friends, there have been sort of um, U.K.-U.S. experiments and programs that have gone on for years, you know, particularly during the Second World War and so forth. So I think we're looking 
at a combination of agencies involving the two nations. And some serious black money, by the sounds of it as well. Well, yeah, because, I mean, things like this, one of the reasons, um, the hows and whys, as to it stayed hidden. Everybody knows about the case, but the reason we haven't got the answers is because it's been buried so deeply, and there's this sort of issue of plausible denial. There's no files, there's no data for any of the theories, really, you know, apart from the uh, Holt memo, apart from that and the uh, audio tape that Colonel Holt also took. Beyond that, surely there's got to be reams of documents somewhere that, that document what happened, and also how successful or not the operation was. In other words, I think they're extremely careful as to what's put down in paper versus how much is just discussed in a room and talked about what happened and how it worked. You know, maybe there aren't always files, you know, they, they do it very carefully and, and talk about it. When you look at it like that, it, it does get hard to find the documentation and the hard evidence that would give us that answer that, you know, was it this ABC agency or was it this ABC agency? Who was working it, you know, was it run from the US but handled by the UK or was it the other way around, you know? Quickly here, and this opens up another can of worms. So we have Nick Pope, the guy who was with the Ministry of Defense. He handled the UFO disc. He wrote about the subject. He's been on here and I can certainly have no specific reason to deny or doubt what he says. But obviously there are things he knows he can't say because of security clearances. He admits that. I can't tell you everything I know, but that doesn't necessarily convey anything except one thing, which is would he obviously this happened before he was there in that capacity, would he know what really happened at Rendlesham? Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're talking about Nick Pope. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about Nick Pope here. The other Nick. The other Nick, yeah. Well, I first met Mick, uh, Mick, I first met Nick um, in 1994, but um, I'd had correspondence with him as far back as 1991, and he worked in one particular UFO desk of the Ministry of Defence between 91 and 94. And... Um, when his first book came out, um, Open Skies, Closed Minds, um, people, I think, thought it was it was going to be presented as like a Fox Mulder kind of character. But when you look at the story of his of his employment there, he actually, by his own admission, never ever left the MOD building, the Ministry of Defence main building. He never left the building to go out and investigate a case. Let's go into that in the next segment. Nick Pope, we're talking about him. Maybe he'll be back on the PowerCast in the near future. I have a lot of questions for him now. With Nick Redfern and Gene Steinberg and Jay Randall Murphy, you're in the PowerCast. For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive PowerCast things. 
that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Extend your life with Extendovite. Extendovite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. John Hess, 5 out of 5 stars. Awesome. Probably my only review, but at age 40, I was getting bad heart throb and left arm pain, mainly before bed. I even stopped smoking and drinking sodas for a month, and that didn't work. After one day of taking Extendivite, it was gone and hasn't returned in three years. I've ordered Extendivite 13 times, so Amazon just said. Juliet Hordick. I've ordered this product before in liquid form. It is fantastic. My whole family's been on it. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with ExtendoVite. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. To be blunt about it, Nick Redfern, Nick Pope was a glorified paper pusher. I'm sorry to say that, but it sounds like that. Well, in essence, I mean, by his own admission, um, Nick never left the office to investigate a UFO case. What he did, he would receive phone calls and letters from largely the general public and a few from the military. And they would, those reports would then be sent up to an arm of defense intelligence. And those guys would look at the reports and come up with a conclusion. That conclusion would be sent to Nick Pope, and then he would send it back to Mr. Smith or Mrs. Jones, who happened to see a strange light in the sky. So, you know, there was no running around the countryside for Nick investigating cases. And I'm not being cruel to it. I'm just pointing out exactly how it is so people understand. Now, when I interviewed Nick for the first time in 1994 um, about Rendlesham, and again, this isn't meant as um, a slur on him, but you could learn more about the Rendlesham Forest books in 1994 than you could as to what Nick himself knew about the case in 1994. He told me that, you know, he'd gone looking and he could not find any files. All he could find was a correspondence file, uh, which was essentially like a file 
containing letters from UFO researchers like me asking questions about Rendlesham. So it was a correspondence file between the MOD and members of the general public and a few newspaper clippings and things like that. But there was what he never saw was like what you would call the Rendlesham Forest. So, you know, in that sense, even Nick, who worked on one of the MOD's small UFO desks, even Nick uh, admitted that he couldn't find anything. Now, bear in mind, Rendlesham, the event, occurred in 1980, and we're talking about 1994 when I interviewed Nick, so 14 years had gone. So in other words, that was plenty of time to bury the files or just hide them away. But what it does demonstrate is that even Nick, running one of the UFO desks, was out of the loop as well. And I, and I don't believe that he was lying at all. I think he genuinely you know, was kept out of the the loop and um, did not really know. And, but of course, you know, in later years, when he retired from the MOD and uh, got more involved in ufology and, and wrote his own book on um, Rendlesham. But even now, you know, I mean, his book, excuse me, um, doesn't answer the question as to what happened. It's just a fascinating story as to the different theories and the, the timeline, that kind of thing. You know, even the guy who ran the group, the organization at the, you know, the desk in the MOD, even he could just barely find anything other than, as I said, correspondence between people like me and asking questions about what happened at Rendlesham, you know. That brings up kind of, again, that sort of paradox where, well, you know, you would require so many people to be involved in that, in the scale of this kind of an illusion and cover up, and yet nobody who seems to have been involved in it knows anything about it. Well, there is that point. But then on the other hand, you know, Porton Down, where they did all, you know, all the chemical warfare, biological warfare, hallucinogens, etc., etc., that was undertaken, or the, the facility itself, I should say, is located in the southwest of the UK. And to, forgive, to give people kind of like a, an image in their mind, if you look at some of the pictures where the crop circles appear every summer, sort of rolling green hills and old castles, that's where Porton Down is. It's not near bustling London where the Ministry of Defence is. So you could potentially have the operation, or at least a part of it, initiated out of Porton Down, way down on the southwest of England, and then you've already got a, a significant number of personnel in the woods anyway who may have had some sort of involvement. And that's one of the important things, you know, if you want this operation to run clean and carefully, do it on the fringes of a military installation and have all the people involved the military, you know, it's not like they were trying to convince the general public, you know, where things could have gone really wrong. So, you know, if you've got a team important down, you know, a Ministry of Defence team comes down and you've got potentially people from the US program working on the holograms, you've actually got three or four different teams, but working in tandem and very carefully... You know, I think you, you could pull that off. Yeah, I think you could pull it off, too. But whether or not you could keep it a secret for this long is, is another. I You know, that's the part I'm not so sure about. But in your book, uh, you've got another interesting couple of sections in there that I think uh, we should talk about. 
It takes us back to back before the last break when we were talking about how this kind of technology or strategy could be used to create any number of illusions, uh, including things like, for example, the Bigfoot, Flatwoods Monster. And you mention uh, an interesting character named Jasper Masculine. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, I can. <laughs> um, Jasper Maskeline was a very uh, unusual and, and almost unique guy. Um, he held a in the Second World War. He held a fairly high position in the British military, but he was also a professional magician. And I mean, when I say a magician, I mean literally, you know, sort of the hot-looking girl, you know, on stage and pulling a rabbit out of a hat, that kind of stuff. But he was also someone who took his fascination for magic much further, and he got more and more involved with the military from the perspective of coming up with new and novel ways to sort of mess with the minds of the Germans, like, for example, creating... um, bogus tanks out of cardboard and, and painting them. So I made it look like, you know, the military, the, 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 uh, the British military had got, you know, endless numbers of tanks in one area. So the Germans would drop a bunch of bombs onto what they thought were English tanks, but they were just sort of cardboard cutouts. And so the Germans would waste all their weaponry and so on. So Maskeline was someone who came up with a lot of interesting ways to deceive the enemy. Now, one of them that he said that they operated and which worked extremely well um, took place in the latter part of the Second World War in Italy. And bear in mind, in Italy, excuse me, in the Second World War, Italy was in in tandem with with the Germans, you know, the Axis um, uh, nations. And um, one of the things that uh, Maskeline came up with was this, what he described as like a 12-foot-tall scarecrow-type creature um, that had all these sort of lights and cables running from it and... um, the plan was to sort of um, sort of send it out um, late at night and it had these sort of glowing eyes and all these sort of sparks and lights would come off it. It was like a humanoid shape, but about 12 feet tall. And apparently in some of the small isolated little villages in the mountains of um, Italy, when they sort of unleashed this sort of um, almost like a robotic demon is the best way I can describe it, they would unleash it. And the plan was to essentially try and um, make the Italian little villagers and so on to believe that what they were seeing was the devil himself and the devil was coming um, because essentially he was in league with Hitler. So in other words, it was like a, an ingenious piece of um, mind uh, warping, so to speak. But what's really interesting is that if you read the documentation that surrounds this 12-foot square crow, um, when you read about it and you get the image in your mind of it, it actually sounds and looks like the so-called Flatwoods Monster of September 1952. You just raised um, another question for another part of this show here. We can do about 10 of these on each one of these cases and not run out of material. 
All right. That's true. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, he agrees with me because I'm right. The Rendlesham Forest UFO Conspiracy is the book. Nick Redfern's the author. And you're on with Gene and Randall. You're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So you're wearing a mask every day now? Yeah. Where are you getting them? Same website where I get my neck and body wraps, sunnybay.com. Really? And they're handmade, just like their wraps in the USA. Oh, and good quality? Oh, very good. These are disposable face masks, and they make cloth face masks, too. Good price? <laughs> That's the best part. Ten masks for only $6. Wow. As a public service, SunnyBay.com is now making cloth face masks by hand in the Seattle area and sourcing disposable face masks with level one protection at SunnyBay.com. Get a 10-pack of high-quality disposable face masks for only $6 or choose a handmade, washable, reusable cloth face mask with high two layers of quality cotton fabrics. Supplies are limited. Get details and order at SunnyBay.com, a Biomed DB design company. Go to Sunny-Bay.com for disposable or cloth face masks. Just click Sunny-Bay.com. That's Sunny-Bay.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Attention homeowners that have ever had a broken appliance. (laughs) That's a joke, right? We've all had broken appliances. I own a home just like you and have found a way for as little as a dollar a day to have all the major appliances in my home on a warranty plan. They're guaranteed to be fixed or replaced. You know how expensive an air conditioner, the heating system, a washing machine, dryer, water heater, or refrigerator can be. For about a dollar a day, all your major appliances are protected in case they break. Unless you're uh, Daddy Warbucks or the Monopoly guy and you don't care about money, call my friends at the Home Service Club now and get a warranty on your major appliances. It's a free call and the first month is free. But be one of the first 25 people to call within the next 10 minutes. 800 825 Again, that's 800-825-6796.
Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So let us continue here. I mean, so many of these cases could be government experiments. Flywood's monster. Hmm. Yeah, the one we're talking about before the break, um, this sort of strange um, robotic demon that Jasper Maskeline created to create terror in these little Italian um, villages. Um, when you read the story, which is actually uh, presented in a, a cl- in a once classified um, RAND document put together in 1950, it actually talks about it that far back. But when you read the description of this demonic giant thing, it sounds just like the Flatwoods monster that terrorized people in Flatwoods, West Virginia in September 1952. And the parallels, the images are so close, it's almost as if there'd been some sort of collaboration between U.S. intelligence and U.K. intelligence to get Maskeline involved and to essentially unleash, if you like, one of these Flatwoods monster-type things in Flatwoods and to see how work, well it would work in the United States or that, you know, that it might not have worked. But in this situation, it did work because uh, it had the desired effect, which was to uh, ensure that the people who saw it fled the scene, you know. So that learned a lesson for the people who ran into it. That is so interesting in a way. I mean, it, it start, you start out and you go, oh, really? You know, I don't know. There's too many factors to this to think that there wasn't something really going on. Well, it turns out, well, yeah, it could, could have been something really going on, but not what we think it was. And uh, that's just like Roswell and any number of other cases. It's not simply people's imaginations. They were being influenced by something, just not necessarily aliens. Well, that's right, but I think the important thing to note is that although it wasn't necessarily aliens, it was presented as aliens, and I think that's, you know, in all these experiments, the and if they were all experiments, and I believe they were, whether it was Flatwoods, Parker and Hickson, uh, Randlesham, Roswell, one thing that they all have in connection um, isn't just that there's the UFO angle, but there's a desired end, if you like. There's a desired scenario, and it always revolves around UFOs and flying saucers because that's become such a a primary issue within our, our culture to this day, you know, pop culture and so on. So when we're all primed to know what the words flying saucer and UFO meant to mean, you know, you only have to see something strange in the sky and people think it's a UFO, you know, 
or somebody sees a flattened area of corn must have been done by aliens. So part of the story is actually already done for them because we're already primed for this kind of stuff. It makes it so easy, doesn't it, to just you know paint it with that brush and use it as a disinformation tool. On our forum, uh, our announcer, uh, Bob Zanotti, he thinks that there was some sort of microwave uh, device uh, that that, might have been used. Yeah, and so that's pretty interesting. And in your book, too, you've got a a section in there where you talk about the injudicious use of microwave technology. Let's talk a bit about that. Well, yeah, this actually um, relates to another British Royal Air Force base and uh, called Greenham Common. Now, Greenham Common, you wouldn't know it unless you lived in the UK at that time, but Greenham Common in the 1980s became a very well-known military base in the UK because there were rumours that there was a, a massive amount of nuclear weapons stored at the base. And it's always been kind of vague in terms of the government's, you know, actually confirming they were there. And other people felt, um, other researchers felt that the missiles actually weren't held there, but the Green and Common was being used as sort of the, the stooge, so to speak. You know, so everybody would be looking at Green and Common when they should have been looking at somewhere else. Now, regardless of which scenario is the correct one, what happened was that when the media picked up on what was going on at Green and Common, a, a large group of women decided to get together and they started to protest outside of Greenham Common and they did this for years. But what's particularly intriguing but also disturbing is that it wasn't long before the guys who were helping the women as well that when they were in the direct vicinity of the base uh, facilities and the, and the fences, they started to feel kind of strange. They suffered from memory loss, significant memory loss, um, severe migraines, and all sorts of other issues which were sort of very much, you know, in, in a situation where they just could not function properly. One of the rumours that surfaced was that some sort of non-lethal weapon had been utilised to put the women into a situation where, as I said, they literally could not function properly. And so when you have that going on, you know, again, mind alteration, not so much where they would see something strange. That that didn't happen. But we are talking about using technology to destabilize the mindset of the women in a very different way to what was done in Rendlesham. But the important thing to note is we're talking about military bases and people in the area having their mind almost altered and and challenged even, you know. So um, in that sense, Greenham Common is a part of the story in relation to how in the UK the minds of people, whether soldiers unwittingly or a group of women, you know, sort of um, just trying to put all of this down and, you know, and just leave the nukes alone, so to speak. Whichever side it is, you know, we get to see an angle where military projects in the UK have um, sort of destabilized people who have a connection to military facilities. This all adds up 
really, it, I mean, just to be, it's just too much to just go uh, unnoticed when you think about it. But let's bring in another player over the years, and that's Michael Persinger. Now, we know from his experiments and using EM waves again that he was able to induce in laboratory conditions paranormal experiences with people. We know that the military has developed, uh, I don't know if you would call them behavior modification devices or weapons, but let's, or non lethal weapons that use microwave radiation as a form of crowd control. We also know that, that they developed ways to uh, put sound into people's heads without any sound around them. You know what? We're going to have to put these sounds into your heads, ladies and gentlemen. And once we've done that, that was a bad segue. I mean, I've got a million of them. I'll have some more for the next episode. Who is Nick, Gene, and Randall? You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Houseflies defecate every four to five minutes, spreading diseases and germs. Protect your food and your health with Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic, no batteries required, only $39.95. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at bugassault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your bug assault today. We've all seen and perhaps use the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you noticed how it dries your skin and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Come to GCNteam.com, keyword antibacterial, or call 877-878-4203. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump is trying to develop a coronavirus vaccine. USA Radio Network's Tim Berg has more. Speaking at the White House, the president says he's looking to get a vaccine, hopefully by the end of the year. My administration cut through every piece of red tape to achieve the fastest ever by far launch of a vaccine trial for this new virus, this very vicious virus. The president spending his weekend at Camp David. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. The House has passed a $3 trillion HEROES Act to help deal with the economic fallout from the coronavirus. A $3 trillion liberal wish list is not a serious proposal. This isn't a wish list. If it's a wish list, it's for the working class people. Senate Republicans and the White House say the bill is dead on arrival. This is USA Radio News. A senior State Department official confirms President Trump has fired the State Department internal watchdog. Inspector General Steve Linick has been removed, and Ambassador Steve Accard, a career Foreign Service officer, will be replacing him. Linick did play a role during the impeachment of President Trump over Ukraine, 
requesting a meeting with congressional Democrats and handing over documents related to the State Department and to Ukraine. The administration is also reportedly considering resuming U.S. funding for the World Health Organization. Sources say the United States will likely reduce future funding to match the level of China's contribution. That's roughly about $40 million. That would be down significantly from the U.S.'s previous investment in the WHO, which was about $400 million annually. You're listening to USA Radio News. In today's world, violent crime can victimize anyone, anytime. When violent crime confronts you, will you be able to protect yourself and your loved ones? For personal protection training, there's none better than FrontSight, the world's premier firearms training facility near Las Vegas, Nevada. Learn firearm skills from FrontSight's world-class instructors, led by FrontSight's founder and director, Dr. Ignatius Piazza. Whether you're in law enforcement, the military, or a private citizen, after your first firearm training course at FrontSight, you'll leave with skills that surpass 99% of the gun-owning population, guaranteed. And now, you and your family can train at FrontSight free of charge. Yes, free. Go now to frontsite.com slash radio to secure a $2,000 four-day defensive handgun course. Absolutely free with no catch. Enter F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T dot com slash radio. Act now before these free courses are all taken. Secure your free four-day course at frontsite.com slash radio. Frontsite, America's gun training destination. This is Micah Hanks of the Gray Alien Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Randall has some more things to put into your head in the final two segments of the show. I won't give this up. Go ahead. Yeah, that was funny, though, because they actually use that technology in advertising uh, in New York, you can walk down some of the streets there and stand in front of a, a window. And if you're in just the right spot, only you can hear the advertisement that's going on. So I mean, you put all of these technologies together to use it in some sort of psyops operation. And, and I think someone like John Alexander would say, oh, yeah, perfect. You know, it's all part of our toolbox. It just makes too much sense, Nick. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the other things you can bring in, which is sort of fascinating angle, is that of um, infrasound. And infrasound, a very low uh, frequency sound, which can cause all sorts of effects. And again, where people have a feeling like a presence of some sort, like a supernatural entity, and it can cause sort of visual um, changes as well. So the human mind, what this shows, is very, very easy to tweak, and it doesn't take much to do that. And, you know, when you're thinking about things like that in relation to undertaking a highly classified project slash experiment, then what seems, at least from the, uh, from the beginning, sounds extremely difficult when you've perhaps done it more than a few times and going back possibly even to the 1950s could actually become sort of just something that becomes routine. You know, for us, it would be mind-boggling. But for people who are running these programs, it may be just a case of, okay, you know, let's do the the so-and-so case tomorrow, and then we'll do the next one the week after. And 10 years later, they become legends, you know. Now you've got me worried, though, Nick, because, I mean, if they can do this uh, with people and use UFOs as a cover 
story. That's all rather benign, right? Like, it's like it's an interesting kind of sci-fi thing that we might be being visited by aliens. And it, it doesn't really hurt anybody to think that. But but this same type of technology could conceivably use to put voices in people's heads to think that they're being instructed by God, like Mark David Chapman, to go like assassinate John Lennon so that he doesn't create some sort of social unrest. I mean, it, it's pretty disturbing. Well, it, it is. And I mean, you know, without sort of going too deep in the whole conspiratorial angle, but I mean... You know, a lot of um, so-called assassins do have unusual backgrounds. You know, I mean, Lee Harvey Oswald, I mean, he made himself out as the ultimate patsy. But, I mean, you know, he just sort of strode into Russia, you know, got married, stayed there, and then... Lo and behold, he's allowed to come back in, you know, and um, Saran Saran. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff surrounding him as well. You do have to wonder sometimes if this whole issue of, you know, Manchurian candidates uh, or something similar to that, you know, um, actually is in place. I mean, back in the, again, sort of go back to the UK in the 1980s, there was a a spate of bizarre deaths from the early 80s to the mid-90s. Many of the personnel working for Marconi and killed themselves under bizarre circumstances. And some of them, in fact, quite a few of them, were working on Ronald Reagan's um, SDI, the Strategic Defense Initiative um, Star Wars program. And some of them committed suicide by carbon monoxide in the car. Uh, They hung themselves, shot themselves. And the actual count from the early 80s to the early 90s was 32 um, personnel who whose lives were ended in really strange situations. So, you know, I actually think there's something to that idea of targeting certain individuals to perform a task, which anybody else would say, you're crazy, you need to see a psychiatrist if you're hearing voices. Well, maybe they're not quite so crazy after all. Well, I mean, surely their whole reason for doing this can't be to just convince people that aliens are real, because that's really the last thing they want to do. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's got to be for some other reason, something well, probably I- military, probably to help destabilize other nations. I mean, we know, too, I think uh, the Russians, they were beaming some kind of uh, waves down across the, the north, right down into North America back in back in the uh, 60s sometime there. And and they were exactly at that resonant frequency that makes people nervous. Well, yeah, you're right. And I think um, you, you actually sort of, um, you know, got it right when you said that it is done probably against foreign nations. And I think what it is, they've got the perfect cover story and camouflage, which is the UFO subject. And so I think so many of these programs are initiated and run under a UFO banner because the mainstream media will take an interest in it, but they won't really delve deep into it, you know, uh, to a significant degree. But what they will do is to keep digging and digging for further and far more advanced programs that the military can use. On the one hand, you can have like a plausible denial. Well, it was nothing to do with us. It was it was aliens, you know, that kind of thing. But then you've got the other aspect of the more and more 
the the world becomes fraught, the more and more advanced technology and weapons we need, which requires more and more of these experiments to be undertaken to see how the technology works. So I think that's what it comes down to. They don't just do the experiments to for the sake of seeing if they can, you know, confuse people. Um, they do it because they have to develop and test new technologies and to avoid the program coming out and exploding and your potential enemies finding out, it's all hidden under the greys and, um, and stories of crop circles and abductions, you know. I wonder here, though, Nick, we only have about a segment and a third left. What do you think the Chinese and the Russians would think about this? Certainly, they watch very closely what we do. They read the same books we do. They know what's going on. What would they think? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't done a few similar things. You know, it's just we haven't heard as much about it. But in saying that, you know, in the 70s, the uh, Russians were heavily involved in sort of psychic research and remote viewing and things like that, particularly with animals. They did a lot of research, you know, sort of... um, you know, sort of trying to use dogs to to psychically find things and things like that. So, you know, I think everybody to a degree has has done something like this. Uh, For example, a few years ago, the under the UK's Freedom of Information um, requests, um, we learned that um, for a while at least, the British Ministry of Defence had their own small uh, remote viewing programme and it didn't work too well and they scrapped it. So, you know, you can find alternative programs, um, you know, whether it's the creation of something like a Flatwoods monster or a UFO in a woods in uh, in Suffolk, England, you know, or something like Horn Island with Parker and Hickson. Um, there's so many examples which, you know, a lot of them are kind of different to each other in varying ways, but that, that would make sense because the projects, you know, are all of a different nature. But um, but as I said, having UFOs to protect them as a cover, well, they could do that forever and a day because so many people will buy into the UFO angle and people read the books and go to the conferences not realizing that they're also sort of playing into the angle of of hiding a truth behind an even more amazing truth you know you know we're going to ask more about this in the next segment also about the current interest in UFOs and the naval photos even the president of the United States saying that he was impressed by it i mean I don't know if we even live in a real world anymore, but that gets to be too political. And I don't want to engage in that here. The book is The Rendlesham Forest UFO Conspiracy. It's the one and only Nick Redfern who's joining us. And maybe we'll get him back to continue on after the Paracast. We'll see. So we have Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall Murphy, and Nick Redfern. You're in. The Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. 
But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hand sanitizer is not an option. It's now a must-have. But where can you find it? Online at 2020safe.net. The highest quality hand sanitizer that destroys microorganisms and prevents transmission of pathogens. Now available in a one-liter bottle with a bonus at 2020safe.net. When you order a one-liter bottle of our high-quality hand sanitizer, you'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $14.95 value, free by using code GCN at checkout. 2020safe.net offers many natural products to help support health and help you live a more fulfilled life. From germ zapping hand sanitizer to immune building nutraceuticals to natural stress, anxiety, and sleep aids, 2020safe.net has what you need in stock today. Just click 2020safe.net, that's 2020safe.net, to get our one liter bottle of high quality hand sanitizer with your bonus free 30 count bottle of immune booster. Remember to enter GCN at checkout and the bonus is yours free. Go now to 2020safe.net. If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800-547-5331. 800-547-5331. That's 800-547-5331. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. So in our previous segment, I wondered whether Nick would join us this weekend on After the Paracast, and he will. 
for more discussion after this episode ends. After the Paracast is available to subscribers of the Paracast Plus, we also get an enhanced version of this show free of the network ads. For more information, check out theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. So it seems that we're supposed to take UFOs seriously now because of all the kind of publicity the subjects has gotten. It's not, you know, for the entertainment features anymore. It's front and center everywhere. CNN had a story the other day about some more naval UFO stuff. Another story about the president saying that looks impressive to him, which may or may not mean something depending on your political point of view. But I guess the big question is here, is that leading to something or is it getting away from them? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, this kind of comes down the path of like disclosure, that kind of thing. But you know, if you look at the media, you're right. I mean, if you the kind of coverage or serious coverage, I should say, that we get today in relation to UFOs, and we do, is sort of miles away from, say, the 1980s and, and 1970s. Back then, it was more just entertainment or crazy or slightly eccentric people to be laughed at or be, to be pitied for, you know, that kind of thing. But today, you're right, I mean, things have changed, and it, and it is mainstream media, you know, that is covering these stories. Now, some people might say, well, that's a sure sign that disclosure's coming, you know, bit by bit, drip by drip, that kind of thing. But on the other hand, you know, it may just be that they're looking into it further. Uh, again, you know, maybe unknowingly the the media is being used as, I wouldn't say a weapon because that's the wrong word, but where the, the media can be used to gauge, again, how we respond to new and breaking UFO stories. So, in other words, that could in itself be an experiment, not a literal experiment, but there could be teams sitting around and seeing how uh, CNN's, you know, watchers, what do, they, you know, what do they think about it, their viewers, you know, what do Fox's viewers think about it. And you could learn a lot from their political views and, you know, their mindsets and their approach to the UFO subject. So I think you can look at it from a lot of different angles, uh, some psychological even, you know, as to um, what does the U.S. public think about UFOs now that it's, you know, primetime news on CNN. That in itself could be its own very intriguing project. Except, of course, that the real UFOs may get involved there and things will be even crazier. Hmm? Well, that's true. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, the more advanced we get in our own civilization, modern civilization, the less we can be sure about whether we're actually seeing a real UFO, as in mm-hmm. alien craft, one of the real ones. Yeah, at some point, however, as we go back further and further in time, it becomes more and more likely that what people were seeing were actual alien craft. So, I mean, well, we, we could go to previous ones like Bent Waters from 1956, where they had three radar stations, a jet that went up, gun camera footage, and having this object recorded at uh, some 4,000 miles an hour, or the 1952 Washington, D.C. flap. So, I mean, maybe once we get back that far, we're looking at the likelihood 
being much greater than something really out of this world was going on. Where, do you think maybe the aliens were real then and then they all, they're all gone now and all we're left with are experiments? Or, or what's your thinking on all that? Well, the first part of the question, I mean, if you look back into 1947, 48, 49, and you look at a number of the files that have been declassified through the Freedom Information Act, particularly a lot of the ones which you can find on the FBI's website, The Vault, they're talking about pilots, you know, reports, official reports from pilots pursuing what were like sort of 45-foot diameter, you know, craft performing all sorts of bizarre maneuvers and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that we were not, in 1946, 47, 48, flying, you know, something like a classic flying saucer at 2,000 miles an hour and coming to a complete halt, you know, left and right-hand turns. If we had that in 47, 48, we'd be using it. You know, there's no point or reason to hide it when you've got the ultimate device, the, the ultimate craft. So, yes, as I mentioned earlier, I do believe it's a genuine UFO phenomenon. And I think the classic cases of that era were genuine UFO cases. But I have to say that the more and more we get up to latter days, the more and more I see events which could be interpreted as secret experiments. I mean, in this book alone, you know, I've got Betty and Barney Hill, Hickson and Parker, Rendlesham, I mentioned briefly Roswell and uh, Flatwoods Monster. The more you address these latter-day ones, you start to see suspicious threads come into them. I don't think it's as black and white as saying the aliens were here and now they're gone and it's just experiments. But I think there is that kind of blurring and the experiments, I think we still have the experiments angle and we still have the genuine phenomenon. But the way out in which our technology is developing, it's becoming more and more difficult to differentiate between what is the real ufo which one is one of our ufos well it certainly gives us a great advantage because it makes it easier to fool people as if it wasn't then you're right you know when you look into this even though people may not like it the more you look into it you can actually make a case you know for a lot of these experiments but i have to admit you can make a case for certain UFO events as well, you know, genuine UFO events. Some of the classic ones are extremely difficult to write off, and, and I don't write them off. As I said, those late 40s, early 50s ones, pilots chasing them, and like you said, you know, the Washington, D.C. overflights, things like that. I don't think back then somebody was running some sort of sophisticated program over the capital. Isn't that convenient, though, because what this does is it obscures it both ways. I mean, if they don't want us to know about the reality of alien visitation, doesn't this just add so much noise now that nobody knows for sure anymore? It's kind of sad in a way because there are people who've had genuine experiences. And once upon a time, you could say, yes, those people saw an alien 
craft of some kind. Now we've got this huge portion of the population that is going, I could have been a victim of some kind of mind control. You know, when it blurs the, the guidelines, so to speak, or the fences, it's kind of like everything's wide open. And maybe that's where we are, because we are at a point where our technology may not be the same as theirs, but our technology may be more advanced or more usable, you know, when we're talking about light holograms. And so it is becoming more and more difficult to gauge anything in the subject, really, other than just go with each case and address it, you know, and dig into it to a greater degree. We've got to wrap it up, Nick Redfern. Tell our listeners right. where we can find more of your stuff. Well, I've got a blog, World of Whatever. Just uh, Google Nick Redfern, World of Whatever. You'll find my blog. Uh, you can reach me at Twitter, Nick Redfern UFO, and also at Facebook as well. All my books are available from Amazon and about 60% from Barnes & Noble. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. Look for the Paracast shop. We have branded merchandise, theparacast.shop. Look for the special sale we're running on the Paracast Plus at theparacast.plus. That's where you go to find out more. We're also offering gift subscriptions to fellow members of our forums as part of that package. We offer a version of this show free of the network ads, plus the amazing After the Paracast podcast so we invite you to check it out. 40% and more reductions. Go to theparacast.plus for more information. And we welcome always to hear from one of our favorite authors here. The book is called The Rendlesham Forest UFO Conspiracy. Okay, was it a government experiment? What about some of those other cases? Were they also government experiments, too? You never know. Nick Redfern, thanks you for joining us on the Paracast. All right, thanks, guys. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. 